welcome to the first pod of 2022 on the views from the 573. Hope you all are doing well and having a good start to your new year. Hopefully everything is going well for you. Uh, it's snowing where I am right now, so of course the weather has all these changes here with it being around 70 on Christmas and here we are about a couple weeks later and we got snow. So that's just the way everything is working right now, but hopefully you guys are having a good start to your new year so far. We got some stuff to talk about, a lot of college, NFL to talk about. We're going to start with some NBA first because I feel it's been a while since we've last talked about the NBA and we're going to take a look at the standings right now as we are, again, head off into the new year. We got the first returns for uh, the All-Star game. We got the first look at how the voting has worked so far and who's the number one vote getter and all that stuff. So I feel, you know what? It's about time. We're about 35, 36 games in. We're about close to halfway through the season. So I figured, you know what? Let's talk about the standings here. As far as other stuff, house cleaning, be sure to go check us out on 573 Pods on Twitter. And be sure to go to tech, check out the pod on where you guys get your podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, where you guys get your podcasts. Find us on there. Subscribe to us, give us five stars, all that good stuff. Check out the entertainment channel as well on those platforms. And I'll be looking to do an entertainment pod here pretty soon. Uh, first one on that channel for the new year. And talking about some of the stuff that I'm looking forward to in 2022, as well as some stuff that I really enjoyed last year that maybe we didn't get to talk about as much. It's going to be a solo pod. Didn't work with Peter's schedule, so it's just going to be me solo. But we're going to talk about some of my favorite stuff in 2021 and maybe some of your favorite stuff. And uh, talking about some of the stuff that uh, in 2022 that I'm lo- really looking forward to seeing and how all that goes down on t- with a couple TV shows and with the movies. So be sure to keep an eye out for that pod on those platforms. So with that being said, let's get right on into this week's show. Let's start off with the NBA standings and kind of talk about where things are as of right now. And let's start with the East. Right now, the Chicago Bulls have been the surprise so far of the Eastern Conference right now, sitting on top of the East, 25-10. and 10. DeMar DeRozan had a really good run there to start off uh, his contract with them. Ian, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball. And several others, that supporting cast is doing really well so far in the early run. That They're looking really good right now. They're on an eight-game winning streak currently. And they're looking really solid right now. Brooklyn, they're coming in right behind them at 24-12. and 12, And they just got Kyrie Irving back as a, as a part-time player. So, really curious to see how that goes and see if that will make Brooklyn more so of a favorite right now than they have been without him. Uh, but right now, KD's playing at an unbelievable level. Harden's playing well right now. Patty Mills has been a good addition for him. So we'll see where the Nets go with Kyrie being a part-time player and see how much he helps them. Milwaukee, I th- think they had a slow start last time we talked about them. Right now, they're 25-15. and 15. They're looking really good right now. Giannis, of course, has just been freaking awesome for them. Miami, coming in at number four, 24 and 24-15. I really loved in the offseason when they added Lowry 
to that group that they had there led by Jimmy Butler. It hasn't disappointed so far. The Sixers, they're holding their own without Ben Simmons. Of course, that whole situation is still going on. Embiid is looking good. They got this team looking good. And also, probably one of the other surprises of the East besides the Bulls are the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are looking pretty good. Of course, you got Darius Garland in there. Colin Sexton. Okoro. You got Evan Mobley, the number three pick, who's looking really good in his rookie season. Just a nice, solid group that they got going on there, led by J.B. Bickerstaff. He's doing a really good job with this young team right now. They're looking really good sitting in there as the sixth seed right now at 21-17. and and So they're looking really good. And just kind of looking at some of the surprises of the East so far, you know, Toronto, they're sitting in there, of course, with not having Kyle Lowry, moving on from some of the air that was there around their championship run. They're sitting there, Charlotte Hornets, they're in that eighth spot, sitting there at 20 and 19. They've been a fun watch. Washington was near the top, but they've kind of leveled off here recently, but still sitting at 500, 19 and 19 overall. And then Boston, the Boston Celtics coming in at the 10th spot, probably a big surprise. And which that team is led by its two stars, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You have to wonder what's going on there if how worried are Boston fans. And then a couple other surprises from teams that were in the playoffs last year face each other. The New York Knicks at 18 and 20 and the Atlanta Hawks at 17 and 20. Now, another thing to keep in mind is that there's been an outbreak with the new COVID variant with Omicron. So, there's probably some of that that's affecting what's going on around the league right now. But, I know it hit the Hawks pretty hard here recently where they had a lot of players that couldn't play. But, right now, kind of shocked right there. And, of course, rounding out the East, Pacers 14-25. and I really thought the addition of Rick Carlisle was really going to help. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, and Detroit and Orlando rounded out there with... Uh, with only seven wins each. So, obviously, the two worst teams in the East right there. Looking at the West right now, Golden State and Phoenix, they are sitting both sitting at the top 29 and 8 apiece. And Golden State's going to get a very important piece back and one of Clay Thompson here, hopefully on Sunday. And, you know, it's really kind of crazy to think about how long Clay's been out, and they said 31 months. And I'm like, let's let's do the math on that. 31 months, 12 months in a year, that's around two and a half years that we have not seen Clay Thompson participate in a basketball game in the NBA. It's really wild. And now he's getting back. Happy for him. I know he's been working hard to get back on the court and putting in the work. And looks like that work is going to pay off and he... Is going to be able to get out there and play here at a really crucial time right now where where his team is at the top of the West. And now you get a Clay Thompson, add him to that team in which Steph has been really good this year. Draymond, you got a lot of others. Jordan Poole has really stepped up his game. You got a lot of fun pieces there in Golden State. And now you add Clay back. And if you get a Clay Thompson that's 
I don't even know, 75, 80% of what he was, this Golden State team just got a whole lot more dangerous. And, this, and they've been doing what they've been doing this season without him. So, he's coming back here pretty soon. Phoenix has looked really good here. Of course, they were one of the best teams in the league last year. Phoenix has just been good this year, led by Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder. They got a good squad in Arizona. Number three, Utah coming in there at 28 and 10. Of course, Utah was the top team last year in the West, and so they're not too far behind both those teams. They're about a game and a half back of both Golden State and Phoenix. But they're still looking good. Quinn Snyder's got another good team this year to hopefully try to contend out in the West. Number four, my Memphis Grizzlies coming in at 25 and 14. They've been on they've been really hot here recently. Winning their last six. And in their last ten, they've been seven and three. And uh also another interesting stat. They are 19 and 9 against the Western Conference. So that's a that's a pretty huge stat. And their road and home record's been really good. They're only five games out of the top spot. But they've been pretty, playing really well. Desmond Bain, he's got to be a candidate for most improved player of the year right now. Just the way he's been balling out. And then John Morant, what else can we say about the man? This guy's been on another level so far this year. He's taken a really huge jump this year. It's looking like that three-point shot is becoming more consistent. And that's exactly what Memphis needs out of their superstar for him to take the next step. And right now, I'm looking at the All-Star returns. He's sitting third as far as guards in the Western Conference behind uh, behind Steph and Luka. So, he's right there. And uh, he's made a really impressive jump this year with how well he's played so far. So, he's probably going to get that All-Star nod this year, uh, for sure, with how he's been playing. Dallas coming in here at number 5, 20, and 18 so far. And then you got the Lakers coming in at 20 and 19. The Lakers, of course, you'd hope that with the addition of Westbrook to that lineup of LeBron and AD, that he would be able to help. Westbrook has been a sort of a turnover machine in his time so far with the Lakers. And just kind of weird plays from him. LeBron's really had to carry this team on his back. And, of course, AD is out for an extended period of time. So, of course, he's going to have to do that. But LeBron has looked remarkable in carrying this team. Sometimes, you know, you just don't have enough. And LeBron's doing everything he can. So, I mean, we've seen that version of LeBron before. The Clippers coming in at 19-19. and And Denver coming in at 18-18. and couple surprises there, but, you know, with the Clippers... No Kawhi Leonard, but you still got Paul George. You still got Reggie Jackson. You still got a couple nice pieces there. Denver is a little bit more of a surprise right here, for me at least. Uh, of course, you got Jokic, who's one of the top 10, top five players in the league. And, you know, you don't have Jamal Murray, so that's going to hurt. But who knows? Once they, get some back, once they get him back, maybe things will head off into a good direction for them. And, of course, you know Michael Porter Jr. as well. So, there are obviously a couple pieces that are down. Minnesota coming in at 18-20. Actually, not bad from uh, the T-Wolves right here. Anthony Edwards, uh, 
Carl Anthony Towns, both of their young stars doing really well. The Spurs coming in at 15 to 22. They're in that 10th spot. As of right now, they would be in that play-in game with the, you know, with the Clippers, Nuggets, and Timberwolves. All four of those teams would be in the play-in tournament as of right now. And then as far as the rest of the West, you got Sacramento, you got Portland. Uh, of course, Portland's kind of a shock with, uh, you know, you got Dame, CJ, Nurkic. You got some good pieces there. Just haven't been successful this year. Yeah, Oklahoma City, Charles's team coming in at 13 and 24. They've had some surprising wins this year. Uh, Josh Giddy's been a really good rookie for them. And, of course, Shea Gilgis-Alexander's been really remarkable for them. The Pelicans coming in at 13-25. And, obviously, no Zion is not going to help that at all. And I don't know what's really going on with Zion this whole season. It's really kind of an interesting situation of watching how he handles it as a young star, a young budding star in this league, and how the Pelicans are handling him. He really just kind of has a scratch your head about what's going on down there in the Big Easy. And then, of course, you got Houston rounding out the West, coming in at 11-28. and 28. So, that's where the NBA stands as of right now. As of, we're again, we're close to the midway point of the season with the, of course, that's what I think, with the 82-game schedule. So, as we're, we've had about half the games played. Of course, we still got about month or so before we get to the all-star break in Cleveland we forgot it was in Cleveland this year and so we still got a few more weeks to go before then but so far right now a couple surprises of course with the Bulls and the Cavs uh, Grizzlies looking really good Warriors getting Clay Thompson back that's going to be an added bonus for them that's going to be huge and so right now things are looking really good here for the NBA so we'll have to see in the in a few weeks where everything's going to stand, who's going to go to the All-Star game, who's going to be named starters, who's going to be named reserved, and all that good stuff. So it should be a fun next few weeks as we uh, figure all that stuff out. So there's the NBA, everybody. Figure we sit down and talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA real quick since we haven't done in a while. So there's some NBA for you. Now let's go to some football Let's go and talk about, I'm going to just toss it up. Let's just go and talk about the NFL, and we'll do college football a little bit later on. And we'll probably, and we'll probably tie one subject in here with, uh, with both of them. And, of course, that is what's going on with Jim Harbaugh. So we'll save that for later. But first off, let's talk about what happened in Week 17 in the NFL, and no, not the final week of the NFL season. You know, it's weird. I've been seeing all these records, you know, the usual records, like 11-5, and 9-7. And, and it's just weird to think, like, oh, wait, yeah, we're going to have one more week. Those records are going to be different. Some teams going to be 11-6. and six. So it's going to be a little bit strange here to see that as we head into week 18. Just even saying week 18 feels kind of weird. But... We got week 17. We had no Thursday night games. We did have the Monday night game at Pittsburgh. But we're going to talk about the games that we picked this week and some of the storylines that happen with them as well. I think when you get when you talk about week 17, we didn't pick this game 
And I think might as well just start off with this since we didn't have this game uh, on our spreadsheet. But Buccaneers and Jets. Now, of course, you would expect the Bucs to be heavy favorites and to easily beat this Jets team. Highly overmatched. But the Jets came out and gave the Buccaneers a good fight in this game. And Jets fell short there at the end. Tom Brady, game-winning pass there. Buccaneers win. Surprise, surprise. But that wasn't the biggest story that happened with this game. That's what happened in this in this game. That uh that happened that wasn't on the field, that was, it was on the sidelines. And of course, I'm talking about the Antonio Brown situation with him just absolutely taking off his jersey, his shirt, all that stuff, his helmet, and just heading off to the locker room. And you get the subsequent stories here. Post that incident. And, you know, it's really kind of hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. It's kind of like a, you know, you got what Arians is saying, then you got what AB is saying. And, of course, he's made some comments today, as recent as today, about, you know, the Bucks trying to force him to play through injury. And then Bruce Arians is basically refuting that and saying, you know, no such thing happened. He was upset about not getting the targets he wanted and all that stuff. And you, you, I think you, we really hope that AB through all the stuff that he was going that he went through with Pittsburgh, with Oakland, now Las Vegas, and with the Patriots, you really hope like within these last few months, he's actually been really good. With the Buccaneers in that system. He's actually been really good. Tom wanted him there. And uh, he's been on his best behavior. And just now recently. You've had his incident with the fake. COVID vaccination card. And now you've got this incident. That you now had. In the really. The last home stretch of the season. In which. You're still figuring out who's going to be. What seed. In these playoffs. And so. I think you really kind of hope that. AB had gotten rid of this toxic behavior. That. He had found in other stops. But just found him again. And you have to wonder what's going on. You have to wonder. Is it mental health? Is it something like that? You got to take that into consideration. Is AB actually telling the truth? It's probably less than reliable. That's probably what a lot of people are thinking, but maybe there's some validity to it. He did offer some details. It's what Bruce Arians is saying. Is that true? So it's really hard to know. And, of course, you get the news this afternoon that they cut him, that they've officially let him go. And so now he's out there on the free market, and he's still got this situation going on, hanging over the Buccaneers organization. As they uh, head into the final week of the season. And so, you know, you'd really hope that he had kind of changed. You, you really hoped. And I heard this analogy, you know, earlier today where, you know, AB is really good. He's talented at what he does, but too toxic and is not a good hang. 
And then you may have, it's kind of like, you know, your friend group. You might have that one friend that's kind of like that, in which they're really talented, they're really good at what they do, but when you hang out with them, they're just not fun to hang out with. And then you might have another friend in your friend group that might not be successful, might not be as talented, but it's a great hang, you love hanging out with them, they're fun to be with, they got good energy, good vibes, and you love hanging out with them. So... Maybe that's the situation here. With A.B., he's just so talented, but there's sort of a bad energy that comes with him. And some of those other guys, and he's not a good hang, but with some of these other guys on the Bucks roster, sure, they might not be as talented as A.B., like a Tyler Johnson or a Scotty Miller or somebody else that's in that wide receiver room in Tampa. They might not be as good, but they're better hangs. They're not... You know, Brady is going to eventually trust them in this offense. Now with no A.B., you got Godwin out for the year. Mike Evans has been a little bit banged up. And so, while they might not be as good, they might be better hangs in the long run. And we're just going to see how this whole situation plays out. I mean, again, we don't know who's telling the truth, who who's lying. Again, I think more people are more inclined to think that A.B. is lying with his past history. But, I mean, you never know. A.B. could actually be telling some part of the truth here. And uh, so could Bruce Arians. He, he could very well be telling part of the truth as well. Thing is, will we find out? Will, will we ever find out? That remains to be seen, but it just was a wild situation to see it transpire. And, and of course... He, he was in Brooklyn to watch the Grizzlies play the Nets that night. is <laughs> kind of funny. But you, do, you also have to wonder if this is his last real opportunity with an NFL team. Or is the team going to go all in on him again and just and sign him and hopefully he's changed this time. Maybe for a minute he does. But something happens and then we get something, uh, we get another thing happening on his side. So, I don't know, just a wild week in the middle of a game that we did not pick in a game which the Buccaneers should have easily handled the New York Jets. So, that whole situation has been really crazy. So, let's talk about some of the other stuff that's that happened in the games that we actually did pick. And let's go through them. Uh, we got the Chiefs and Bengals. Guys, this game was a fun one, but holy crap, Bengal fans should be wor- should be really worried about what happened there with Burrow at the end. And, you know, he's not playing this week. That's probably the smart move. Not let him play this week. Already, already in the playoffs. Got the AFC North locked up. Just get him ready for the playoffs. Get him ready. And... Right now, I mean, hey, Cincinnati kept up with Kansas City in a shootout. They they really did. It was 28-17 to 17 heading into halftime. And you really kind of wondered, you know, were the Chiefs just too much for the Bengals? And the Bengals come out and outscore them 17-3 in that, in that second half. And Joe Burrow. 30 of 39, 446 yards, four touchdowns. 
And then, of course, you got to talk about the game Jamar Chase has had. And talk about the rookie season Jamar Chase has had. Just unbelievable season that he's had. I know when they drafted him, it was a topic of conversation. Should they draft it for protection to get Sewell from Oregon to help with the offensive line? Or go get his favorite target from LSU, even though they have Tyler Boyd, they have C.J. Uzamba, they drafted T. Higgins the year before. So far right now, it's looking like it's really paying off right now. With this game that he had, he was unguardable. I don't know what the Chiefs' DBs were doing. He was unguardable. There's one play where he's just running wide open. Nobody's not even close to him. And then there's one touchdown where he's around like four, five Chiefs, and he outruns all of them. And those are two of his touchdowns right there. And then he mossed somebody later on for another one of his touchdowns. So 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. Have yourself a game. And of course, this would happen to me in fantasy. Thankfully, it's the last week of fantasy. So... If you guys won, congratulations. If you're in the middle of the pack, well, you could be in last place. So, this is what I get for having to face Jamar Chase in the final week of fantasy. He goes off for about 50 in fantasy. So, the Bengals, this is a huge win for them. A huge win for them. Again, it clinched the AFC North for them. It's a big win over a team that a lot of people really have... That's the favorite right now, I think. If they had to pick a team right now to come out of the AFC, I think there's a lot that would probably say Kansas City. And Cincinnati went toe-to-toe with them. And I played them, especially in that second half. So Bengals went 34-31 right there. Dolphins and Titans. This one wasn't even close. I mean, Tennessee... Absolutely beat them down. 34-3. Deontay Foreman had his best game as a Titan. 132 yards, a touchdown. Tannehill did just enough. That defense for the Titans is looking really good. You're getting a lot of pieces back. They got David Long back. So that's really going to help that linebacker room. Zach Cunningham's been a really good midseason addition for that defense. And then, like, hey, if you can rush the passer with four guys then you can really do something special and really not ha- have to worry about sending, uh, creating special types of blitzes, you know, bringing a corner off a blitz, you know, something like that. They got four guys that can rush the passer and Dupree, Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, and Harold Landry. I'm really liking how my team is doing right now, and they're getting healthy, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as, as we get into Week 18 because, oh boy, Oh boy, exciting times. So, moving on, Vegas went to Indy last week. As, you know, also another title was clinched with the Titans, AFC South. And a win did did the trick either way, but the Colts losing helped a little bit as well. Vegas goes to Indy, and they knock off the Colts with a late field goal there, 23-20. And that bot, that last seed for the AFC is still for the taking. It's still for the taking right now. You got a big game on Sunday night with Chargers and Raiders. 
essentially that game could be dependent on who makes it in or maybe not. At the same time, depending on how some of the earlier games go, right now the Chargers, they're in the driver's seat for that seventh spot. Colts are sitting there at six, but you still got teams like Baltimore that could possibly get in it. Pittsburgh, Vegas, Chargers, Colts. You got five teams for those last couple spots. It's just a wild, it's just a wild ride here in this last week of the season. So this should be a fun week 18. And that Chargers Raiders game should be a fun way to cap the season as we head towards the playoffs. All right, next game that we picked, Ravens and Bengals. I'm looking at week 17 there. Uh, next game that we had, Eagles at Washington. Of course, he, he had the weird thing happen with the railing there at Washington Stadium. And also, you got the name change coming here pretty soon, February 2nd. So, they won't be the Washington football team any longer. We'll be able to actually put a name besides Washington, Washington there. So, I'm glad for that. But the Eagles, they got a playoff spot in this game. So, Eagles and Jalen Hurts second year with the number one rushing attack in the league. They're headed to the postseason. So, congratulations to them, and they capped it off with a win at a division rival, 20-16. to So, congrats to the Eagles. Next up, Panthers at Saints. The Saints are still somehow mathematically, it's still mathematically possible for them to get into the NFC playoff picture. And they play Carolina this week. They went 18 to 20, 18 to 10. I still don't know how the Saints still have a chance here. I, I just imagine it's because that defense is keeping them in these games. So they should be thankful for that defense right now. Next up, Broncos at Chargers. Went with the Chargers in this one. And of course, he had Drew Locke starting this game for the Broncos. He, he was the he did lead this game as far as how many passing yards but overall Chargers just overwhelmed the Broncos 34 to 13 and you know Broncos they're out of it and they were in it for a while so credit to Vic Fangio for the job he's done there but you know when you have the Chargers scoring touchdowns but also getting a huge kickoff return for a touchdown, that's, that's really going to not favor it well for you. So Chargers win there. Then we got Cardinals and Cowboys. Probably the premier game of the week. Maybe that. Maybe it was Chiefs-Bengals. But uh, you got two premier games with AFC teams and NFC teams. And so Cardinals. Kyler Murray has been virtually unstoppable in Jerry World. Dating back to his high school days. And guess what, everybody? Gets another win in this one. Dallas had its chances down the down the road in this game. They probably could have challenged something there at the end. That was a possible fumble that could have given them the ball back. But they had no timeouts, so couldn't challenge anything. But Kyler goes into Jerry World again, and he gets another win. 25-22. Big win there late. 
And then, yeah, Arizona. Without James Conner, without DeAndre Hopkins, they go to Dallas and get the win there. Rams at Ravens. Matt, I'm sorry about your Ravens. I'm sorry about this. I know it was a tough one. You know, even the, Here's the thing about the Rams. Stafford, even though he's not been good at protecting the ball here in these last few games, it hasn't mattered as much. Rams still found ways to win. Stafford still threw for over 300 yards in this game. Rams win 20-19. Cooper Cup have, having another amazing game, having an amazing season with the numbers he's putting up. But you know what, Matt? The, your Ravens still have some playoff hopes. There's just a lot of stuff that your team needs to happen on Sunday. So, Rams win that one. Then we had Vikings at Packers, the Sunday night game. Of course, no Kirk Cousins for this game since he tested positive. So, it was Sean Mannion on Sunday night football going against Green Bay. Not really too much of a game here. With Green Bay winning 37-10. Another good day in the office for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So Green Bay, I mean, they could sit some of their guys next week. They're playing the Lions, so maybe give them a couple reps, but I think for the most part, you let Jordan Love take the game next week. You sit some of your big-time starters, and you get ready for the playoffs. But who knows, maybe you give them a few more reps since they got that bye week. Maybe you do that. So we'll have to see how Matt LaFleur wants to play this. On Sunday. And then you got the Monday night game. Possibly Big Ben's final game at Heinz Field. I know Peter is kind of happy about this. (laughs) Finally it's happening. (laughs) And they're playing a division rival. Cleveland. Big Ben has dominated Cleveland. In his time at Pittsburgh. And what do you know. They get another big win. Over the Browns there. Winning 26-14. And Najee Harris kind of closing it out there at the end with a touchdown there. Rushed for 188 on this Browns defense. This Browns defense is pretty good. It's pretty good. And he just ran it on them and did a really good job of that. Pittsburgh scoring 13 in that fourth quarter. Really kind of sealed it right there. Capped it off with the big run by Najee there at the end. There's just a lot of emotions going on at the end with it possibly being Ben's final home game at Pittsburgh. A lot of stuff going on there. And I think if I read right, he hasn't had a losing season there. Neither has Tomlin. And so that trend, that's going to continue as he rides off into the sunset. So... Let's see if they make the playoffs. I mean, it's entirely possible they could. But again, they're going to need some stuff to go their way in week 18. Now, before we head off into week 18, I guess let's actually look at where the standings are right now and see how some things may unfold. Of course... Let's start with the NFC. Let's start with the NFC. And uh, let's talk about uh, Packers and all of them. So, right now, 
Saints still could get in. And the San Francisco 49ers could still get in as well. Uh, San Fran is sitting at 9-7. New Orleans is sitting at 8-8. Eight eight. They are not out of it yet. They, they're probably going to need some stuff to go their way for San Francisco to fall out. Maybe find a way to get in. So the Saints are not mathematically eliminated just yet. But look at the teams that are for sure in. You got Arizona as the five seed, eleven and five. Cowboys, eleven five as the four seed. So things ended today. You get a rematch of last week's game. Tampa sitting there at twelve and four as the th- as the three seed. They would be if the 49ers make it in. They would be hosting them. And if the Rams are staying at number two, they're at twelve and four as well. Then they would be playing the Eagles in the first round in the wild in wild card weekend. So if Tampa wants to move up to number two, they're going to need the Rams to lose this week since the Rams hold the tiebreaker over Tampa based on head-to-head win percentage. So maybe get some help from from the team that's playing the Rams this week. I have to take a look at who they're playing this week. 49ers. So 49ers are probably going to be all in on this and try to get in and make sure they solidify their playoff spot. And then the Packers, they're the number one seed in the NFC for sure, 13-3. and And, well, again, we'll have to see if they rest some guys on Sunday or not, if they'll give them a few reps since they got that bye week. Well, I'll have to see. As far as the AFC, of course, Baltimore's still in it. They're 8-8. Pittsburgh is still in it. They're 8-7-1. As of right now, would be the ninth seed. But, of course, that doesn't get you in the playoffs. Neither does Vegas being the eighth seed at 9-7. Chargers right now would hold that final spot at 9-7. And they hold the tiebreaker over Vegas based on head-to-head win percentage. So, Vegas with the win here would probably really help their chances at getting that seventh spot. Then you got Indianapolis coming in there at sixth with a 9-7 record. And a lot of stuff is going to be dependent on how they play on Sunday and how that Chargers and Raiders games go on Sunday night. New England singing there at number five with a 10 and six record. And right now, the Bills are in the driver's seat for that AFC East title for the second year in the row since they hold the tiebreaker over New England based on best win percentage in division games. So they hold that over New England. So if Buffalo were to somehow lose to the Jets this weekend and the Patriots, if they were to win this weekend, I have to look over who they're playing. They're playing Dolphins this weekend. If Bill somehow lose to the Jets and the Patriots beat the Dolphins, the Patriots would be your AFC, AFC East champs. And what a way for Mac Jones to end his first regular season. But right now, the Bills are in the driver's spot. Bengals, they can rest Joe Burrow next week, so they can make sure that he's good to go for the playoffs. They would are, are right now the three seed at 10-6. And Kansas City, sitting at 11-5, as is the two seed. And the Titans, coming in at 11-5, they're the one seed. But since they beat Kansas City earlier in the season, and and with that involved, 
Titans are the number one seed. And if that pattern holds that the Titans win and the Chiefs win, regardless of what happens, Titans one seed in the AFC and get that bye week. Now, if the Titans somehow lose to the Texans and the Chiefs win next week, then the Chiefs are your one seed in the AFC. Now, let's just say both those teams lose. Who knows what happens? But right now, Titans would be your one seed in the AFC. And that is huge for a team that has dealt with a lot of injuries this season. And that is huge with the team that might be getting Derrick Henry back. Because everybody, the Titans have designated Derrick Henry to return, giving them a 21-day period to get him active and get him to come back and play some football. And from what all I've read and on Twitter and heard and all that stuff is that he's looking pretty good right now. He's looking good. So let's see if they give him a few reps in this Texans game on Sunday to knock off the rust a little bit or whether they're going to wait until that first playoff game that they are going to be hosting. So we'll have to see, but a possible Derrick Henry return is huge for this team. It's the only piece they needed to for them to come back to get as close to healthy as possible for this playoff run. So it's going to be a wild couple weeks here. Wild couple weeks. So let's head off into week 18. This week, we're going to be picking all the games. It's the final week of the season, everybody. I know we didn't do this in week one unless we... No, we didn't. You know what? It's week 18. I decided to say, you know, screw it. Let, let's just pick all of them. Uh, Chiefs at Broncos on Saturday. We got a couple Saturday games with Chiefs, Broncos, Cowboys at Eagles. And uh, Chiefs, I think they definitely want to win this one since there's still a chance at the one seed for them. Broncos, they, they are out of it. But I do think the Chiefs, they win this game and keep their hopes of a one seed and that bye week alive. Cowboys at Eagles. Cowboys could still be anywhere in the standings. They could be anywhere from a potential four seed to maybe a three seed, two seed at, at best. Eagles, they could maybe find themselves moving on up to the sixth seed where they could move up a little bit and not be the seventh seed and have to face somebody like the Rams that are playing really good right now or maybe Tampa. I'll take the Cowboys in here, but the Cowboys are going to probably be without Micah Parsons this week, so that's going to be a huge loss for Cowboys defense. Browns at Bengals. Bengals at Browns. Got mixed up there a little bit. We'll have to see how everything transpires for the Browns in the offseason, whether Baker's going to be still the man back there. Uh, of course, with the Bengals, they're resting Joe Burrow in this game. So, you know what? I'll, I'll take the Brownies here. I, I will. But let's just let's say this. If Joe Burrow was playing this game, I think the Bengals would win. Uh, Packers at Lions. You know, the Lions... Props to the Lions. They haven't been the best. They've been one of the worst teams all season long. But they but they fought in a lot of games. They were in a lot of games. That should bode well for the future. 
Uh, again, we'll have to see how the Packers do. Maybe they give some of their guys a few reps. Who knows? Uh, I'll, I'll just go with the Packers here. I'll go with the Packers here. Get a division win, close out the season. Go home, get some rest, and get ready for that playoff game in a couple weeks. Bears at Vikings. Vikings were still in it a couple weeks ago, but they played themselves out of it. Bears, I could probably definitely see the Bears somehow winning this game. As I I mean, last week, they freaking crushed the New York Giants. They crushed them. And that was with Andy Dolan behind center, too. So, I'm going to see what the line is for this game. It's at Minnesota, so that should help for Minnesota. I think I'm going to go Minnesota here. I think I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to go with the Vikings. So next up, Viking, uh, we got the Colts at Jaguars next. And uh, if you've heard what's going on with the Jaguars, they're all dressing up in clowns, you know, to mock their GM. So, safe to say, it's been a really, might be the understatement of the year, really frustrating time in Jacksonville this football season. Uh, but the Colts, they still got some stuff to play for. And they could be the 6th seed, 7th seed, or, you know, a lot of stuff could happen. A wilder things have happened in the final weeks of the NFL regular season. Um, one, also, one stat that's also wild is that the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville in a while. They have not won there. It's been, you know, it's been a minute since they've last won at Jacksonville. So that's something to keep in mind here. I do think they win this time. That's something to keep in mind there. Uh, Washington at the Giants. Uh, I just don't know how this Giant. That's another team to watch out for in the offseason as far as what they do. Washington. I picked them to win the NFC East this year. Obviously, that hasn't happened there. I was probably had the idea that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the guy there. And even that seems kind of wild thinking about it now. I'll still roll with Washington here. I'll still roll with them. And uh, I'm really curious what their new name is going to be. That, that'll be a, that'll be something to keep an eye on here in about a month. So next up, we got Steelers at Ravens. Of course, we got a big AFC North matchup here. To figure out if the Ravens are indeed going to have a chance to find a way to get into the playoffs. Or the Steelers going to knock them out and the Steelers have a chance, a better chance to find themselves into it depending on what happens later on. I think, listen, in these situations, I think it's best you don't worry about what the other teams are doing. You just go out there. You take care of your business. You take care of your business. You get the W and you see what happens. If you don't get in, fine but if you do find a way to get in because you did get the w great all in all i think just go and take care of business and see what happens you never know you never know what happens in the final weeks of these nfl seasons you just don't a lot of crazy stuff happens so we'll have to see who who's that quarterback for the ravens uh whether lamar's gonna be coming back in this game or if it's going to be Tyler Huntley at quarterback. And he's actually played pretty well for the Ravens in, uh, in backing up Lamar. And, you know, this is also 
in likelihood, unless the Steelers find a way, this is likely Big Ben's last game ever in the NFL. So, we'll have to see. Of course, it's fitting that it's between these two teams. I'm going to go with the Steelers, aren't I? I think I am. So, I'm going with them. Tides and Texans. Titans got uh, got a lot going for them still as well. They got to win this game to make sure they still hold on to that one seed. Holding on to it will do wonders for them. And they're going against a Texas team that beat them at Nashville earlier this season. Although, that was with Titans missing a lot of several key players. They're not missing a lot of key players now. They've made several additions since then, including... Somebody that left Houston wanted to get out of there and decided to come and decided he was on waivers. Tynes pick him up. He's been re- playing really well for them. Zach Cunningham. I think the Tynes make up for that loss here. Get the win. And uh, who knows if we'll see D- Derrick Henry. Who knows? Uh, I'm hopeful. But uh, if not, get him ready for that playoff run. Get him ready. Because it's time. It, no better time to use him. Now, these four, uh, there's a there's a lot of phrases that scare teams. Here's one that should scare some teams heading into the playoffs. Derrick Henry with fresh legs. That's a scary thought. Saints at Falcons. Uh, Saints, again, still have a slim chance of somehow getting into the postseason. And they're going against a Falcons team that they have a lot, in, a lot of needs heading into the season. While they're somehow sitting at 7-9, Kyle Pitts has been really good for them. The only other tight end, besides Mike Dicka, that's gone 1,000 yards like this, so young in his career. So he's been really good for him. And also, I mean, you might not have Calvin Ridley for the Falcons. As it looks like things are trending, like he's not going to be back next year. Again, I think you take care of your business if you're the Saints. And you're also playing against a division rival. That should add something to that. Give me the Saints. Jets at Bills. The Bills should win this game. I do wonder if the Jets are going to keep it close. I'm going to guess yes. But I still think the Bills pull it off here. And clinch their second straight AFC East title. 49ers at Rams. 49ers still have a lot to play for. Rams still got to make sure they hold on to that two seed and uh, see what happens in the, in the playoffs. We'll have to see if Jimmy G is going to be good to go for the 49ers. That thumb is still hurting for him. So it's going to be a difficult situation for the 49ers and see if Trey Lance can come in there and win him a big one at SoFi. I think it's going to be tough. I'll take the Rams here. Patriots at Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins, they're about the only team I can remember that had a big winning streak and a big losing streak in one season. It's kind of remarkable. But uh, they lost last week. We'll have to see what they do with Tua in the offseason. See if anything happens there. But the Patriots, they're coming into Miami as the favorite. Maybe Miami decides to spoil where New England's going to be seated. I'll still take New England, though. So, I'll take the Patriots here. Seahawks at Cardinals. You know, another thing to watch this offseason, Russell Wilson. 
Is he still? Is he going to be a Seahawk by the time we start next season? That remains to be seen. And Cardinals, they could still find a way to, you know, get a higher seed in these playoffs. So I imagine they're you're probably, there's a lot of stuff still to be determined. So I imagine you're going to see a lot of teams play some of their starters this week. So I'll take the Cardinals here to win this one. Then we got the Panthers at the Buccaneers. I'm curious how the Bucs are going to perform in the playoffs. I think everybody is with what's been going on with them. With all the injuries. With now this cloud with what's going on with AB hanging over their heads. I still think Tom Brady. Listen, it's not going to be too much for him. They get the win here. I still think they'll be pretty good come playoff time. So, give me the Bucks. Then the final game, the Sunday night game. This will be a fun game to watch again. Will be fun at Vegas. Raiders, Chargers. Really going is really going to determine a lot at by the end of the night of who's going to be in or out of the playoffs. Right now, the Chargers are favored, but the Raiders again have been sneaky and been inconsistent this year. They've had a rough go of it, especially early on in the season. They went to Indy last week and beat the Colts. We'll have to see who all is going to be healthy for this Raiders team. Is somebody like Darren Waller going to be good to go? Josh Jacobs, are they going to be good to go for this game? The Raiders, there's a couple questionable guys on their side. But you know what? I think I'll go with the Chargers here. I do think the Chargers are the better team out of the two. But whether that's going to transpire out there on the field remains to be questioned. But I'll go with the Chargers here. Again, the Raiders, they have been a little bit more inconsistent. I think from the Chargers. So give me the right and give me the Chargers here to win at Vegas. And that's how I think the last week of the NFL season is gonna go, everybody. It's gonna be a really fun week to watch what goes down. As again, there's still a lot of stuff that remains to be figured out as we head into the playoffs. Next weekend. Can't believe it's already here. We're already here at this point of the season going to be a, a wild time as we head to the playoffs. Now, let's move on. Talk about something that's kind of like a bridge to the NFL and to college football. Is this. There's been a report that's been put out that talks about Jim Harbaugh, the coach of the Michigan Wolverines. Had a really good season this year. Finally beat Ohio State. Finally won the Big Ten title game and finally got to the college football playoffs. Something that Michigan fans and Harbaugh have been striving to get towards ever since he decided to come there as the Michigan man, the guy that's going to help bring Michigan back to their normal standards of success. Well, with these possible uh, successes that he's had here recently, is there a chance he's going to leave Michigan to head off for the NFL? Well, it's entirely possible. Bruce Feldman has put out a report about it. There's been a lot of talk about it since that report's been put out. That's entirely possible that Jim Harbaugh might be tempted to leave Michigan and leave college football to head off to the, to the NFL. 
And there's a couple jobs in mind. The Bears is something that's in mind. I remember that being something, I think, when Nagy, before Nagy was hired a few years back. And also, the Raiders. The Raiders is open as well. And that's been a job I've seen seen a couple of these in a couple of these reports. They kind of mentioned the Raiders' job as a as a possibility, as a very good possibility for Harbaugh to leave towards. But would he? Would Harbaugh leave and go to the NFL? I, uh, you can make the argument. I think that you could say, "Hey, he's just getting started at Michigan. He just beat Ohio State." Just won the Big Ten Championship. He just got into the playoff. He's recruiting really well for Michigan. So I think he's just getting started there at Michigan. He's got him at a really high level right now. And he's going to be there for a little bit while longer. And, I mean, you look at his record so far at Michigan, 61-24. That's a good record, but he hasn't won those big games that he's needed to. And he's done it, and maybe he can build off of that. I think you can also use some of those things to make the argument as to why he heads off to the NFL. He's finally done what he's been asked to do. Beat Ohio State, get to the Big Ten title game, win the Big Ten title game, and find a way to play in some of these big-time games late in the season, play in the playoff. And again, I bring up his record, 61-24. and 24. That's a really good record. That's over... That's an over 700 win percentage right there. His worst season, non-COVID, was 8-5. and five. That's not too bad. And you can also make the point in this argument that maybe he's kind of like Jimbo Fisher and that he had a wall at Florida State and he's willing to move on. Another thing that's been brought up that I've heard mentioned with Harbaugh is all the stuff with college football going on now. Transfer portal. portal, NIL deals. You look at all the stuff with going with the NIL. I don't know how much Harbaugh signed up for that. There's no kind of structure with these uh, with the NIL. While I agree it's great. I think there probably needs to be some groundwork. Some structure. Into how all this works. Because right now it's just wild out here. It's just wild with how the NIL is being worked on. There are a couple people talking about how much A&M has spent on his class. Speaking on Jimbo Fisher. A&M, there's been reports saying that A&M has spent a whole lot of money on this class. That is potentially one of the best college recruiting classes in college football history. So I don't know how much Harbaugh signed up for that. He's probably not all into it since... That's not what he signed up for when he came into Michigan. With all the stuff going on, transfer portal, players leaving when they so please, and NIL deals where essentially you can have a guy on your roster one year, but he may leave because he got a better deal somewhere else. And I guess you can kind of take a look at the Caleb Williams situation with him entering the portal. There's still a possibility he could come back to Oklahoma. I think that is better for him because Jeff Levy is going to be his offensive coordinator. Just saw what he's done with Matt Corral there at Ole Miss. You have to like what you see. But it could be also a case of a team that's willing to outbid Oklahoma 
maybe a team like Georgia that's looking to get somebody like that in their system. You know, where somebody can come in and say, hey, we're going to bid this number. And Oklahoma has to find a way to make a bid and, you know, and Caleb Williams has to choose whether he wants to stay at Oklahoma and take Oklahoma's bid or whether he's going to go somewhere else and maybe take a little bit of a higher bid. So you have to wonder how much Harbaugh is all in on this. I suppose, listen, when Harbaugh was in the NFL, those 49er teams were good. Going down the end of the road, it wasn't pretty. And he did go to Michigan. Well, I imagine if he says, hey, I'm I'm considering going to the NFL. I got to imagine he's got to be at the top of your hot board as far as guys you want to bring in to be the next head coach. If you're the Bears and if you're looking on to moving on from Nagy. If you're somebody like, again, the Raiders. Maybe you want to take a shot there. You know, maybe there's another team whose job becomes available here in the coming days. You know, always the day after the end of the regular season is Black Monday. And you got a lot of coaches getting fired around then. Maybe there's a job open that opens up that appeals to Harbaugh even more. So, you could make arguments for both. You could make an argument as to maybe, hey, he should stay there, build upon the success he's had this season. But you can also say, hey, maybe it's time to jump, go to the NFL. There's a couple jobs I think he would like. So, we'll see where he goes. There's also been talk about maybe Ryan Day leaving. I don't know how substantial that is, but there's been talk about Ryan Day, who's the coach at Ohio State, leaving. You want to talk about the college coaching carousel getting more crazy. Ohio State and Michigan losing their coaches in the same offseason. Both bolting to the NFL. Where Ryan Day's name has been mentioned with Chicago, of course, with Justin Fields there. That would make that would make some sense. In which case, Ohio State, I think they have an easy hire. Go Cincinnati, hire Luke Fickle. Done. If that's if that's what happens, I think that's an easy hire for for Ohio State if Ryan Day leaves. Do I think he's gonna leave? No. I do think Harbaugh has a higher chance of leaving. But uh, this is definitely an interesting report uh, coming from the last few days with Harbaugh. Maybe uh, maybe possibly going back to the NFL. We'll have to see if this happens. With that, and transitioning over to college football, let's talk about some of the games that have happened since we last talked. And let's talk about the bowl games. And we got our final real batch of them here this past weekend. This past, this past week, I should say. And boy, what a what a lot of excitement that went down. And I'm pretty sure you guys are going to know the one I am just... I'm going to hate talking about. And that is what happened to my team. But of course, we're going to get we're going to get through some more games before we get to that. All right, don't don't worry, we won't start with that. Uh, South Carolina, you know, I feel bad for Frank Beamer for getting the the mail dunked on him. You know, I, I think my dad was telling me that all in all, the losing coach should have that happen to them. 
And honestly, yeah, does the winning coach really deserve that? But South Carolina, really good game, really good cap to Frank Beamer's first season. They started out rough, but they they found some pieces to work with late in the season and have a 7-6 record to end the season. So props to, props to the Gamecocks. Next up, the game we had next up on my schedule was this game. Was Purdue, Tennessee. Talk about a high-scoring offense. This might have been one of the better bowl games of bowl season. I might only be second to Ohio State and Utah with the Rose Bowl. But we'll talk about that in a minute because that one was nuts. Listen, with Tennessee, I think they... They definitely do and didn't do their best, even though Hooker did have a decent game by his standards. That field at Nissan was a mess. I honestly was concerned about that field, even though I knew they would change it out, you know, with them having to get the field ready for Sunday. There's still some concern for me, like, oh man, if the field's like this on Thursday, how's it going to be on Sunday? And again, I know it's going to change in between that time period. Still, it left me wondering that question. Is this going to affect the Titans against the Dolphins in any way? But the the Vols, they left a lot of plays on the field. They let this Purdue offense do really well against them. And they did really well. Uh, And, you know, Tennessee could have avoided some of these situations late if they played a little bit better. But talking about some of the situations... That were that happened late in the game. Missed call on Cedric Tillman for pass interference, which Purdue got clearly grabbed his jersey and might have made that field goal attempt a little bit better there at the end of regulation. At the end of the game, in which could have given Tennessee a better chance to kick the field goal or maybe getting a couple more plays in, getting to better field goal position. And in the game there, and that's it. And then, of course, the no call there at the end. Listen, if I see Alabama fans, Georgia fans, ESPN writers, Paul Feinbaum, or anybody else that's been a crick at Tennessee say, hey, that should have been a touchdown. Tennessee got robbed. You know that. Then you know something's going on here. Something weird is going on here. Because if you can get all that group to say, hey, these guys got hosed. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know what world, what world we're living in. We weren't yet in 2022 yet. We were still in 2021. So I guess that might have been the final thing for me to make 2021 really weird. Was that you got all those groups of people saying, hey, Tennessee got screwed there at the end. In which they rolled his forward progress was stopped. In which it clearly it wasn't. He was on top. Of Purdue players. Jalen Wright was. And hopefully he's not going to be the guy that you go to in goal line situations. He's not built for it. He's more of a speed guy. But I applaud the effort he gave there at the end. And he was on top of Purdue players. And whatever happened with the whistle. The refs screwed it at the end. In overtime. Again it shouldn't maybe have even got to that fourth down play. With how they were running there. But Tennessee, they obviously don't get it. And Purdue, 
All they need to kick is field goal. They get it. They win the game. And Feinbaum had this as a win for Tennessee. I don't know. We'd have to see how overtime would have gone. <laughs> uh, and Peter put it best. With the wild stuff that happened in this game, this game was deserving of more than one overtime. And I could get on board with that. Well, as, as far as my guys are concerned, listen. Did it end on a bad note that you didn't want to go on, out on? Yes. But, even you may say, oh, look at Ryan. Of course he's going to be say this and not be happy about not getting the actual win, but and kind of thinking about it, the real win here is, you know, you're seeing all these comments post-game, and you're seeing some of these guys talk about how the culture has changed, and I believe it's Theo Jackson who played his final game on Thursday talking about, like, the program was in the dark place. You had guys really wanting to get out of there, and you guys that didn't pay attention, didn't come to team meetings and all that stuff, and just hearing where... The program's at now. I think it, it's overall a win, a final win for the season because I think what I wanted to happen when Hypo was hired has happened. The culture's changed. It's shifted. A lot more positive stuff going on there. And so I think that should be a good thing heading on into next season. Of course, next season's going to be interesting to see how teams adjust to this offense, but you're bringing back Hooker. You're bringing back Tillman. Go hit the transfer portal hard. Get some guys on that defense because, good Lord, they need them on, on Thursday. And so, I mean, listen, it was a tough way to go out, but if you're building something positive there with the culture and getting guys that actually want to be there, want to get better, want to play, listen, that's a win in my book. So, moving on to the Peach Bowl, Michigan State and Pittsburgh. None of the really big-name players that, are heading off to the draft. We're playing in this game. Kenneth Walker, Kenny Pickett. But Michigan State, they end up winning this game and knocking off Pitt 31 to 21. So, Mel Tucker, I mean, what a job he's done with Michigan State this year. What a job. In his second year, absolutely killed it. So, uh, it'll be fun to watch what he does next year and see. If you get a guy that can replace the production that Kenneth Walker had, it's going to be tough. But, hey, it's college football. You can find some guys in the portal. Maybe somehow you struck on something golden right there. Wisconsin and Arizona State, I had to go with tournament to the bitter end. And in the end, Wisconsin just couldn't. They just beat Herm, beat that team 20 to 13. So Wisconsin, they had up and down beginning of the season, really strong close to the end of the season, and they close it off 9 and 4 with a win in the Las Vegas Bowl 20 to 13. Now we're getting to some of the uh some of the other games that were happening during the uh, during this bowl season. And let's talk about some of the ones before we get into I guess the, I don't know, like with with the big playoff games. Wake Forest playing in the Gator Bowl, playing against Rutgers, who of course had to fill in for Texas A&M. Uh, 
Rutgers loses this game 38 to 10. So Wake Forest, they win the Gator Bowl. Uh, so Dave Clawson d- did a really good job with Demon Deacons this season. And uh, another game that had some some stuff with COVID with some of these teams, Central Michigan versus Washington State in the Arizona Bowl. Central Michigan wins dramatically there at the end, 24-21. to And then the two playoff games, which, let's be honest, I think we hoped for a little bit more, maybe particularly out of the Michigan-Georgia game, speaking of hardball. But, my goodness. Alabama, listen, props to Cincinnati for just coming out and playing, but Alabama wins 27-6. Brian Robinson, <laughs> 200 yards in this game. <laughs> Crazy. So, Alabama, they're moving on. And Georgia, I mean, they really kind of neutralized that Michigan pass rush with Hutchinson, Jogbo on both sides. No problem for them. And Stetson Bennett threw for over 300 yards in this game. So Georgia and Alabama, SEC title rematch. We'll talk about that when we get to the actual game and we're going to make a prediction there. But both those two teams win there. Talk about some of the New Year's Day games. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, all were pretty much pretty fun for the most part. I went with Notre Dame in this one. Uh, but really good job for Oklahoma State. Finished off the season 12-2, and getting a big win over Notre Dame, 37-35. Just a wild, a good, fun game in the Fiesta Bowl. Then a couple of the other games, Penn State and Arkansas. I think me, Peter, <laughs> we're, we're both rooting for Arkansas to win and get Penn State out of here. And that's what happened as the Razorbacks win their ninth game of the season and win the Outback Bowl over Penn State team that beat Auburn earlier in the season. So good on them, good on the Razorbacks. Next up, we had the Citrus Bowl with Kentucky and Iowa. Iowa had some chances there, but, you know, props to Kentucky there. Wondell Robinson for Kentucky had himself a game 30 yards short of 200 yards receiving. And you knew this was going to be a slow, drag-it-out type of game that was going to be physical. And it was. And Kentucky ended up the victor on on this side, 20-17. So they win the Citrus Bowl. Baylor and Ole Miss. You got to hate what happened to Matt Corral. And it's only going to be brought up as an example as to, you know, should you or should you not opt out of these games if you're a guy in his position. I mean, I don't, it's going to be brought up for sure, but you hate it for the kid. You hate it. He wanted to go out and play with his guys, and that ends up happening. And I hate it for him. Uh, But Luke Allemeyer came in in his place. Ole Miss just had a tough time of it. It was tied 7-7 for the most part until Baylor, Baylor scored 14 points in that fourth quarter. That defense for Baylor played pretty well. And Baylor ends up winning the Sugar Bowl. But, uh, you know, props to Lane Kiffin for what he's done there. And for Corral for what he's built there as well. Also, props to Dave Aranda for what he's done with that Baylor program. 
really has brought him up to a really high level now. And then finally, Utah versus Ohio State. Boy, was this one fun. It seemed like there was a period of like five minutes where like five touchdowns were scored in this game. It was back and forth, back and forth. And this game was so much fun. Um, Props to Utah for coming in there and playing really well against a high-powered Ohio State offense. Uh, They really gave them a lot of trouble early on. Uh, Cameron Rising, Utah's quarterback who went out. uh, You know, you hate it for him, especially late in the game in that situation. You hate it for him. Also, the clock management could have been a little bit better there at the end by Kyle Winningham, but other than that, man, what a game. Maybe the best game of the bowl season. C.J. Stroud. 37-46, 37-46, 573 yards, and six passing touchdowns. But he wasn't the big story. Of course, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, they were sitting out to get ready for the draft. But next man up, you had Jackson Smith and the Jigba coming in there. 15 catches. These are video game numbers. 347 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Did not occur to you once, Utah, to double this man. But he also had a couple other receivers on Ohio State's end that were doing good. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. Does that make you feel old, guys? <laughs> he came in this game as next man up. Two touchdowns. Ohio State's going to be looking fine next year. <laughs> They're going to be looking just fine, but man, what a bowl game. What a Rose Bowl. You know, the Rose Bowls here recently, I mean, You've had some good ones in the past. This one's right up there with the Penn State-USC one a few years back when Darnold was still at USC. Yeah, it, it was that good. But uh, that was fun. Then we had a couple others uh, here lately with Texas with the Texas Bowl. LSU didn't have a whole lot of players playing in this game. And... I think it was like 39, and they didn't have a quarterback on the roster, so that's not good. But uh, Kansas State, they took care, of, took care of business as they should, winning 42-20, to winning the Texas Bowl. Which leads us to Monday night. The national championship game held at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship rematch. Right now, Georgia is a favorite in this game. Around a three, two and a half point favorite. I think the thing for Georgia is, that for especially in getting to this game, they wanted a chance to play Alabama again and right the wrong that they think happened in the SEC championship game with them getting actually beaten down like they did. They want to write that. So now they've gotten their chance. We'll have to see. We'll also see if Alabama, you know, they really ran the ball well against Cincinnati. We'll have to see if they that's a game plan for, for them against Georgia and their defense. Will we see a, a sort of... But we see something similar like we saw in the SEC championship game. 
We very well may be. We also could see something entirely different. We could see this actually being a really close, hard-fought, drag-em-out game that's not decided until late in the fourth quarter. When the end... I think I'm going to have to go with Bama. I think I am. I, I just think I am. When Saban has got these guys ready and moments like this, and even though it's not as strong of an Alabama team as years pass, they I just think he's going to get these guys ready to play. Bryce Young's been outstanding. He was outstanding in that SEC championship game. Jameson Williams, I think, is going to be awesome. Brian Robinson, I think he's actually going to have some success. Maybe the, not the success that he had against Cincinnati, but... So, now, if you guys want my, you know, opinion that is full of, you know, me being a Tennessee fan and all that good stuff, honestly, I don't care if the who wins this game. Honestly... I would prefer it if they both tied. But I think if I had to choose one, I think I would go with Bama. So, both sides of me, the one that's objective and one that's not, I think is going to go with Bama. The ones that's objective, I think, is, hey, I still think Alabama is a little bit of the better team here. But the non-objective fan of me is saying, I prefer Alabama because... I don't want Georgia to hold this championship and get all more obnoxious and all that stuff. But, listen, that's just me. That's just coming as somebody that has a fan in the conference that these two are in. So, I think I'll play it safe here. And I won't pick against Saban. That's another thing. I don't think I'm going to pick against Saban. I... I can't do it. I can't do it. It's t- too hard not to. It- it's too hard to. It's too hard to pick against them. So, I'm gonna go with the Crimson Tide here to win on Monday night and uh, put a capper on a wild college football season. So, everybody, that's gonna do it for me here. Hopefully, again, you guys are having a good start to your 2022. Hopefully we get a a good finish here on Monday night with the College Football National Championship. And hopefully we get a fun final week of the NFL regular season as we head towards the playoffs. So it should be a fun final couple weeks in both these sports and their respective seasons. And a, a good start for us in the early part of this new year. So thank you guys for listening. Be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to go check out the entertainment channel as well, as where we'll be talking about stuff to look forward to in 2022. So that'll do it for me here, and I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>